Good morning. This is Gaming Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. And today we're talking about nostalgia. Saul specifically told me we're talking about RPG nostalgia, which when he gives me these topics, sometimes I have no clue as to what he's talking about. And I have to dig it, dig it out to figure it out. Dig it out of my head? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Right. So the reason I was thinking about this is because I'm on Facebook and I'm in a few groups Quite often, people start talking about these old games, uh, and there's even this whole group called Dead Ga- Dead RPG Society or something like that. I wouldn't join that group, by the way. <laughs> so they're always putting out uh, pictures of covers of books, RPG books of yesteryear, and some of them are pretty obscure. That like some of them I don't even haven't even heard of, but for the most part, I know most of them because I am kind of older. What happened is, is I was thinking about it. I go, why is there such a this fascination with old games? I, and, I, and I think it has a little bit to do with that gamers that started playing early. And what I mean by early is... In the 1970s? Right, right. And I'm not saying you had to be there in 1974 when Dungeons & Dragons first came out because it probably wasn't very popular back then, even in colleges. That's where supposedly... Original D&D really spread was through colleges and stuff. But definitely by 1978, 79, 1980, it had become uh, quite a bit of a following of people who played D&D. You have to remember this was back in the olden days when there was no internet. No internet. Hardly anybody had computers at home. Nobody had computers at home, really. They said post something. They meant to walk up to a board and stick a tack in it on the board. Or to send in the mail. <laughs> and I think people my age, maybe five or six years younger than me, or maybe 10. I'm going to go people, oh, I don't know what you're going to say, because I was going to say older than you, but I'm not and sure older. where yeah. you're going. <laughs> well, people who hit middle age, right? Whatever that means to you. And older. And what happens is I think these people who who probably played, like almost anybody, who probably played more when they were younger, and I think time when you look back you look back and you're like man those were great times and i think almost anybody that doesn't have to be a gamer thinks looks back about their childhood and says man those were great times because for the most part they usually are that's where the nostalgia comes in right and i think people who played games back then let me rephrase what i was gonna say so there's two types of gamers usually i know there's more but there's those gamers that played a lot when they were kids. We all played a lot when we were kids, whatever game that was. And then when you probably went to college or a little bit out of college, you stopped playing because for whatever reason. Back then... It's called life. Well, back then there was the idea, well, you put, got to put your kid things away and stop playing. No, I think it was more that they got... Too busy. M- ...married and had kids and there was stuff they had to do. Right. There's those people. And then there's people like me who just kept playing no matter what. We just kept playing games. Definitely not as often as we were when we were teenagers or even younger. Because it was called life. You had to work and yeah, all work, that kind of work stuff. Is that is that four-letter word that gets in the way. When we were playing, we look back and those were great times because there was, there was all kinds of other factors, I'm sure, other than playing games. So there is a little bit of nostalgia when you look at old games and you look wow those that was great game those were great times and you tie that great time with a certain game that you played or certain games that you played honestly when he told me this subject i thought i think we did something about this before cuz he's always talking about old games and 
But then I, when I did the research, I discovered there's a whole bunch of men out there, well, women too, I'm sure. But the articles were written by guys that everything he just said, that's what they said. Yeah. I mean, there's obviously variation between everybody. But when I was looking at what these people were saying, I also noticed that there was quite a few Kickstarters that were being funded. And some of them were being funded to like crazy amounts. And I was thinking, well, it can't just be these old gamers that remember this old game that drive the sales of these uh, Kickstarters or drive the, I don't, I don't know about sales, but the, what do you call it? The funding of these Kickstarters. For for example, I kickstarted Twilight 2000. Now, I didn't play Twilight 2000 when I was younger. It was one of the games that I remember seeing it, but my brother never bought it and we never played it. So, but I was intrigued by it. What year did it come out? Probably 1980, I think. Okay, uh, I'm guessing. And uh, well, Twilight 2000 because they thought. Yes, I, I understand. Would, we've we've done a whole years. episode on that, so. It would end in 20 years, and it didn't. Thank God. When I was looking at at that game, I go, "Oh, that looks like an interesting game." And another reason I I decided to kickstart because it was done by Free League, and they decided to use their Year Zero engine. Got it right that time, and they got mixed reviews from people who played the old game because they figured. Because the old game was rather country, crunchy. And the reason I was kind of intrigued by Twilight 2000 is because I played Dark Conspiracy, which was made by the same company, GDW. And at a certain point, Dark Conspiracy started using the same rules as Twilight 2000. And I looked at those rules. I was like, oh, that's interesting how it works and stuff. And I was always kind of interested in Twilight 2000, but I never bought the book. This was like after 2000, so the GDW has gone out of business. So the only way you can get it was through ebay and you know people have sometimes treasures a collection or the books are rare or more rare than they're not so i i kickstarted for reasons other than nostalgia for me but there was it had to be a lot of nostalgia because there was a lot of interest in this game and there was a lot of and i would say griping because the <clears throat> rules they wanted the rules not to be so light because they considered and i'm I, I guess i agree with them that the new year zero engine is lighter than the old system that they used okay most new systems are going to be lighter than the old systems i'm going to totally agree with you so you're saying that you're trying to figure out why and this funded way over their goal right, right? I think they, they, and this is uh free league is swedish company and they wanted a hundred thousand kronen or something like that whatever cr is or whatever I don't know. I don't know that hundred thousand Swedish currency, and they got five mil over five million. And that and I think you're right in one respect. It was the older gamers who had played Twilight two thousand, right, and really liked it. Probably probably played it through the years, right. I'm gonna guess they continue to play. Yes, and gamers like a lot of things. They might gripe about it, but they really do like any time a new edition comes out or new. Just a new book, right? I think for gamers, we may gripe a lot, but we're just going to buy it anyway to see, check it out. Right. And and, and I think the, uh, what is it? The idea is if they don't like it, they'll just sell it. I haven't looked up Swedish currency. He told me about this a couple of days ago. I should have looked it up, but I'm going to say that it's probably not all just the old gamers that played Twilight 2000, but people like Free League, right? So if Free League is coming out with a Correct. Kickstarter, then that's going to bring in a lot of money. And also, I, and we talked about this 
off the air, I think that not only is it nostalgia and stuff that has brought a lot of newer gamers to buy these old games, it's um, actual play because they see the they see all the different actual plays, and I know it has a big has had a big impact on D and D. So right. I'm sure that it's had the same kind of impact on other games because then they meet people that play other games, right? Yeah, As, and then cross pollination. Yeah, yeah. I think there's a, quite a bit of that, and I and that and that what was intrigued me about the uh, Free League's uh, Twilight 2000 campaign is that it did so well, and I'm like, it, it just can't be older people reminiscing about Twilight 2000. Uh, I didn't think about people who were fans of Free League because Free League has its own fans base, right? They have there's even a whole podcast called the Effect Podcast dedicated to just swedish games and most of them are free league right because they that's sweet it's their swedes so i think they have their own following and new year zero uh that that system has its own following and that's what powers tales from the loop coriolis mutant year zero uh i think what else is well now twilight 2000 so they really are working on making the new year zero fit almost any kind of genre and any kind of play style because a lot of people look at at Twilight 2000 as a crunchy game and a real simple mechanic with if it was like straight port from like let's say a Tales of the Loop game it wouldn't work that wouldn't work because it's too it doesn't take enough stuff into account not with the number of guns I'm sure that are available (laughs) in Twilight 2000 so I was looking at, at that and I'm like people who like me who look back at games and and wish they had that game or they lost it doing all the moves and all this stuff when they grew up. I was I wrote down that fund it because they lost their original books. One of the reasons I wrote down is that the mom and dad threw out their stuff when uh, when they moved out of the house to go to college or something. And that's terrible usually so I and I joke about it, but I guess it does happen. Well, considering the fact that we found you found collections of books at the used bookstore then and he Saul always goes, "Oh, there's a whole bunch of books. I want to look at them. Someone must, some someone's girlfriend must have made him get rid of his collection." <laughs> well, or they passed away, one or the other. But anyway, when it, when I was looking at this, I was looking at, well, if it's not just old gamers who are reminiscing about their time playing this game when they were younger, you, you I hadn't thought about people who listen to actual plays. I hadn't thought about people who who are fans of Free League, and and they have a lot, like I said, a large fan base. And willing to take a chance on their stuff, and now not only do they have a fan base for a number of reasons, not only do they, I'm sure people like the system, but they're very high production values, right? That when they make a game, their books look really nice. Now in this this one, they decided to do a box set, which I don't know if they have done other box sets before. I don't know, but it recently arrived. Yeah, it recently arrived. I I think they had this ammo box mock up one. A special edition one only going to be available through Kickstarter. I didn't get that because it was like another fifty bucks. I went, well, do I really want to pay fifty? Oh, I forget what twenty five dollars for a, a tin can, and it looks pretty cool and everything. But I decided not to get it. But what I got for, for in the Kickstarter was quite a bit. You know, they give you dice and all kinds of maps, and because it was because it funded so highly, there was all kinds of unlocked stretch goals and stuff like that. So it was rather a heavy box. I think the total weight of the box wrapped and everything was like 7.2 pounds so that's quite a bit of stuff 
And there is a lot of stuff in that box, and it all looks really nice. They got maps. They got, what do you call those? Like, they're not, they're these cardboard. Uh, they're like little squares for battle mats that yeah, you fit together. Yeah, but they're the size together. of a regular piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. you fit it together. Right. You could put them together and make a nice large area to. So it is a battle mat. Battle mat. That's the word I was looking for. They, there's a large map of, uh, of uh, Poland, uh, Warsaw, that area. And then on the other side, of course, is a map of Sweden, or the Swedish area. Oh, so in their version in, of of Twilight 2000, you're trying to get home to Sweden? Well, I I, I don't know. I, don't, <laughs> I haven't really looked closely at the rules, I, I hate to tell you. But uh, because they're Swedish, they're going to put a Swedish, uh, what is it? Uh, I only say that because Asal has run Twilight 2000. I've never played in it, but... He's always looking for maps of the world, how to get back to the United States. Because he's his in his version of this game, it's a a group of soldiers that have to manage to get home after after, after the, the Third World War, right? Right. And it was a limited ex- limited nuclear exchange, not quite as bad as the one in Twilight Two Thousand in the books. I I didn't want to have as de- much devastation as he didn't want to have his poor people dropping dead from radiation <laughs> yeah i didn't worry about, i didn't want that but i think i placed them outside of uh, pakistan yeah because he was looking up these this was in the 2000s with, yes this was about 10 years ago I he think. was looking up these things on the internet for he wanted to see oh, eight years ago he was looking up Afghanistan and Pakistan and all kinds and of India. places and India. And I'm like, going, what are you doing? He goes, I'm getting maps for, for my game. I'm all, okay, dude, can you stop? Because wh- you're, you're leaving a trail of these weird maps that you're looking up. I think any gamer that has any, any, any gamer that has any game in the modern world is probably on some list somewhere. <laughs> But that's okay. They figure out you're a gamer and you're okay. I think the nostalgia factor does come into these Kickstarters because now that most of the people that played, I'm going to say most, a lot of people that are Saul's age now are much more financially set off or set so they don't have to worry so much. They have more disposable income. So when they see something that they like, oh, Twilight 2000, they're redoing it. I'm I want in. it. All I mean, in. So Kickstarter probably met its goals in one way because instead of just buying the base set, they bought everything, right? Right. They I spent think, the $300 instead of right, the Right. A lot of people got that ammo box. Yeah. Right. And um, a lot of people didn't, but, but enough people got that ammo box that made even more money coming. And you're right. There is that factor. Is now, I hate to say it, that a lot of, People who played role playing games when I was younger, now they be, they become they were tech nerds and stuff like that, and did rather well. You know, the the nerds inherited the earth, right? They, we just got to figure out how to fix it now. They got to do good jobs of that paid rather well, and you know, they're probably post kids going to school and all that stuff, and and so they're like, oh, what am I going to spend my money on? Oh, look at that, good old Twilight two thousand, and I get an ammo box. A full ammo box. So I think that's where nostalgia comes in for that. But there's other forms of 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 gamer RPGs nostalgia, right? Because because it's not only Kickstarters, but um, but I think of the nostalgia part is now that you're older, maybe you're where you you and your friends can meet and play. Exactly. Yes. Having these games that you used to play, they kind of like you know that's that's what you remember, and that's what made your 
made it seem that's what you why you were having fun was this game and you want to get back to that so what do you see you see oh twilight 2000 is is having a a, a new i'll call uh, george and steve and whatever. see if they want yes. to play yeah and then and then everybody has a little bit more time right They're, they don't have to maybe ba- watch babies or something you know as when you did when you were in your mid-20s or or us early in the, 30s late, late th- mid-30s all the kids are grown up and maybe they play too and they're going oh uh, maybe they found an old an old module that you had somewhere. And they're like, what's Twilight 2000, Dad or Mom? Oh, that was a game I used to play when I was younger. Oh, and then stuff like that happens. I mean, uh, Augustine has been interested in every once in a while. He mentioned a game that I had. He goes, did you ever play this game? And I go, oh, yeah, that was pretty good. And he asked me about it. But, but And so I'll go to his bookshelves and pull it out and <laughs> hand it to him. Here you go. Uh, yeah, but. Uh, That's I, probably not everybody, by the way. Probably not everybody, but I think that I think as a uh, even younger people, right? And you're younger people who who had that gamer parent that played games, and maybe that gamer parent mentioned this game at, and in, in a, and remembers the title. If anything, if anything, nothing but the title. That's all they remember. And so when that title comes, you know, a new edition comes out, they go, "Oh, that's what mom and dad, or mom and dad, or or whoever Uncle Joe was talking about this great game." I'll check it out because so, it, it can't be like I said. It just can't be older people checking out and buying these games because, because like I said, Twilight Two Thousand. I don't know how many backers had like over four thousand backers. That's a lot of people. The one contention point on this topic that I had when when Sal said nostalgia and gamers was, I said, well, a lot of gamers that I met and recently just the other day, I met a guy <laughs> who said, Sal said, oh, what what kind of role playing games do you play? And he said tunnels and trolls and i said okay i could i i'm like he's like, oh you played the original one he goes yeah did you know that there's a new edition out right and i'm like okay so obviously some people still play the games that they played the still they still play original D or oh, yeah. advanced dungeons right. and dragons or i'm not gonna say space opera because i don't know how many people still play space opera not too many but there's Traveler and all the versions of it, and I know that people love that, and Shadowrun and all the different versions of it. So all of those different games that came out, and Gamma World, all of the new editions, and I think with gamers, they like to buy the new editions so they can read it, right? Because they like the game, and they want to keep keep up to date on what the new changes are. <laughs> I think a little bit is interested in just to check it out to see if it's any good. Even even if they if I don't think I'll like these new rules, but I want to see what what they changed. Right, there's that, and there's people who are just maybe they don't even play games anymore, right? They just remember, and I know people who just buy rules just to check them out and just to see what they did to them. I was reading this one article. He was this guy's. I don't know who he was, but he said that he had to move away, and his job made him move every couple of years, so he could never get a gaming group together again after. When he, when he was working and moving around. So every time a new edition of D&D came out, he went and bought it so he could read it. And then he felt nostalgia and sad because he didn't have anybody oh to God, play with. Terrible. But then when he moved back home or he got closer to his actual friends that he played with as a teenager, they got back together and now play fifth edition because it was easy. Everybody knew all the rules already. They just had to brush up on what the changes were. <laughs> and I go... Oh my goodness! This man just described what Saul told me he wanted to talk about. Well, yeah, which was weird because, like, I think I I, I was talking about it how people st- stop playing for a while, whatever that is, however long that is, 
uh, I listened to another podcast called uh, Gaming MBS, and one of them did exactly that. One of them, uh, he went to the army. He 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 might have played some war games in the army, but he really stopped playing games for quite a while after after his adolescence or after going to college age, whatever. And they didn't start going back. Didn't get back until maybe about ten years ago, I guess. And I don't know how old it is. So he stopped playing for maybe 15, 20 years, maybe. I don't know. And and I was shocked that that that, that happens, right? That people stop playing because they're too busy or whatever. And then other people, his partner or the, his partner on the show, not his partner, uh, on the show, uh, Brett, he never stopped playing. He's had the same group he's had since he was a young person, been playing his whole life, you know, he's about 45 and he plays like all the time. Sounds familiar to me. <laughs> and it, and then that's, he's, Brett is more like me where I never stopped playing. There was a couple of times when I slowed down my gaming, maybe a little bit. Yeah. When I went to Chico state, I didn't play at all. That was two or three years that I didn't play, but I played in the summer sometimes when I came home. And you still went to a convention because I remember you said that's one. That's how I found out he was a gamer. He goes, my brother and I are gonna go to this convention. It's. A, I go, what kind of convention? He goes, it's a gaming convention. I go, what kind of gaming convention? He's all, we play role playing games. I like. I go like D and D. What year was that? When did when did when did I tell you that? I don't know when you were at Chico when I met you. Oh, okay. It was. It had to be one of the years when. You oh, that's right. I actually came home to go to Pacificon. Went to Pacificon with yes. Felipe. Yes. That was nineteen eighty nine. Mm, or nine yeah yeah um, yeah 89 could have been 1990 i don't remember yeah so your stopping of playing was a very short period of time <laughs> well like i said i didn't play when i was at college and a lot of people do play at college well because you didn't know anybody because you went away to college and a karina wasn't going to play no she didn't play World margaret games. and eric although eric probably would have yeah they did play yeah. games but that was a year later and by that time i, I mean i was pretty busy at college goofing trying around, to goofing yeah. around. <laughs> Uh, there's all kinds of things that fuel this this old game kick, right? Like, well, there's that. the whole OSR thing, right? Okay. Because they go, well, all these newfangled games aren't good. We need to right. go back and play the original games. Well, it doesn't. It doesn't. Uh, it doesn't feel. It doesn't feel the same, right? I don't get that joy I did when I was 15. Have a character die because he only has two hit points? I think, I think another thing about nostalgia and gamers is they like to talk about their old games and what happened. Yes. Because I hear the same stories all the time. Well, I'll try to change it up for you. But I think you're right. I think the, like OSR, you're right, it is kind of a nostalgic kick and you're trying to get back to the game that they played. That's why they, you know, they, they don't shun, but they... They don't want to play fifth edition. It's not the it's not the D and D they remember. And to me, I don't have a problem with that because I actually liked fifth, fifth edition. So I don't mind playing it. I don't mind running it. Now I don't know if I would go back and run like A D and D though. I I think that was like that was the edition that we that we played mm-hmm. and we played the heck out of it because we never really got into second edition because we're like oh, we're not gonna buy all these books all over again. And uh, and I don't know how much vastly different second edition was. I think they introduced Thaco. Which basically is well, you get to you figure out what it is to hit armor class zero, and then it tells you then you can figure out how to whatever how what you need to roll to hit any other armor class. So obviously, I've never played this because I don't know what Thaco means. Is, uh, to hit to hit armor class zero, Thaco. 
Okay. <laughs> I was like, with that go, yeah, that go, just with that go. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? This is when I was much younger when when it came out. So we're like, I'll just play, I'll just play AD and D. Thank you. Let's just, I'll stay with my little chart that I have on my character sheet. I'm okay with the chart. <laughs> and uh, so there's all kinds of reasons why people would would fund, overfund Twilight 2000. And that, it's not only Twilight 2000. There's all kinds of reprints going on. Uh, for example, Arden Grimoire, right? This is a, uh, a uh, this was a game by I forget his David Hargrave right I'm, that's his name I'm pretty sure I'm positive and he wrote Ardring Grimoire which he kind of copied D and D the little books he has he made the books look just like not D&D. copied no he copied. made it similar no he copied he copied the look of them and a, a lot of people thought they were uh, supplements for A D and D or for original D and D I'm sorry. For original DD, because they, they had the little book and he came out with three volumes. And basically they were they were just options of rules. So just options of rules. And but he was actually making his own game. And by the third book, I think it was obviously that that because people even uh, people who played original DD, they had this problem with, with the rules, right? They they weren't greatly written. You know, you had to figure stuff out, which, you know, for nerds and geeks back then that's what you that's what you live for yeah. hello it was it, you know it's just it's this tomb of knowledge that not everybody could understand right so it's kind of like ooh, you know what i mean <clears throat> some people are not gonna are not it's like us when we look at a at a rule book for a board game we're not gonna play a board game figure out a board game that has 20 pages of rules not in one setting we're gonna turn on a video yes <laughs> so we're not but we're not gonna read it and figure it out back this, <clears throat> there was no videos back then so you had to figure it out. So D and D was like that. Original D and D, even A D and D. People talk about high Gagaxian uh, speech, right, or language, where he spoke. He wrote in a certain way, Gary Gygax. Now I don't really remember that high Gagaxian. I just read it and I just kind of understood it. And even if I kind of understood it wrongly, uh, we that still played. Okay. We still played it that way, right? <laughs> and that was so funny about A D and D is that. Uh, and the original D&D, everybody played it a little bit different because the rules weren't exactly concrete. And so there was a little room for you to figure out your own way to figure out how to do things. And the people have learned to figure out things differently. So Arden Grimoire was this this books that had all kinds of different rules. And people tried to say, well, this doesn't really work with D&D, original D&D. And it really, it was its own game. So the reason I even bring that up is because uh, some publishing company just recently decided to put those books together, those three books, and everything they published, <coughs> everything Ardrin Grimoire published, and republished them in hardback books. And you can go to their website. I don't know the website off my head. Emperor Games, something or other. But this says, you know, our, our David Hargrave died in the in the 80s. And what's weird is that he's here local. He was a local from... Uh, here in the Bay Area, so he used to go to DungeonCon all the time, and in fact, he owned a shop over there in uh, in the East Bay. Remember, Mark Shiner was talking yes. about it. So there you go. You have this this guy who's making a run at publishing this game that is like really. I mean, I don't know how many people play Arjun Grimoire. I'm gonna say it's obscure. It is pretty obscure, but you know, people want that stuff, and of course, this is, this is just a reprint. It's not even an update of the rules because. You know, I don't know. Well, because sometimes things go out of print and then you can't find them. Correct. That, and that's a big deal, too, is, is stuff that goes out of print. 
Uh, there is, I mean, there's a, and then when they go out of print, the prices go crazy on like eBay. For example, I have a, I have a Tecmo book, uh, Empire Pearl Throne book, by a company that published a book and then quickly went out of business. And it's a really nice set of rules. I really like the rules. I really like, and they did a lot of work on the setting. You know, read print. All, all if it was Tecmo, it was really hard for them to get it published. <clears throat> yeah, and it just you know they went out of business. And it's a really nice hardcover book. Has a really nice, you know, nice artwork, and, and the system's not bad. It's really cool, but it just didn't catch on. And uh, but people really want that book because it has because it's because it's out of production and it's real. real then sell it, so I'll sell yeah. it. I don't know if I want to sell it. It's only like one hundred ten bucks. But like the One Ring original, the first, the first uh, edition, same thing. You can't have nostalgia about something that just came out. No, 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 not the second edition, the first edition. So anyway, so that 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 is something that happens when people are nostalgic for a certain thing. Tunnels and Trolls, I think they're in the sixth printing. I don't, but I don't think that guy we met played the sixth edition Tunnels and Trolls. You think he played the original version of it, or the second edition, which is pretty close to the original version. He also wrote something for right, one of the adventure. newer ones. Yeah, uh, maybe he did. Yeah, maybe he is. Playing. I don't know which newer one. Right. What what version? We, we should ask him. We should have asked him. I should have asked him. But that's pretty interesting. When he said tunnels and trolls, I was shocked. I was like, wow. So I've only <laughs> known a couple of people that play tunnels and trolls: Larry, Larry. and um, Chris and and Lisa. Chris and Lisa. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, there's a lot of games like that. A lot of games that were competitors to D and D, like uh, RuneQuest, also made yes. by Steve Perrin, who passed away this last year and was a run was. Which uh, also had a recent. I don't know how recent, but it had a Kickstarter. Right in 2017, I believe. And um, one of the articles I read about nostalgia for um, tabletop role playing games. The guy was talking about RuneQuest, and he said when he saw the Kickstarter, it brought back all these <laughs> memories. And anyone, and I'm like, oh my goodness, Saul was right. There's people thinking about this kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, and it, you're and right. He, it, and he went in and 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 tried to help fund it. The, right, the Kickstarter. Course. Yeah, it, it it tickles some. Part and of his your brain. friends were so happy because they got a new. He told his friends, so they all you know, did. They all went in. Yeah. Yeah, that's what you got to do. That's and that's how Kickstarter works, right? Right. Word of mouth, not necessarily now because now it's a big way of trying to be successful at funding. There's all kinds of specific things, things that you should, you should, you should, you should do, do. Right. Other than word of mouth, because you know, unless you unless you have a very small funding goal like a thousand bucks, and you know, you know, you can go to a local area and be able to fund stuff like that. But RuneQuest is interesting because of why it's so nostalgic because it was a, definitely a competitor to D and D and it changed so many things. Like there wasn't a, there's no levels in, 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 in rune quest and stuff like that. So, uh, it's really unfortunate that we never really got to talk to Steve Perrin. We, we, you know, we, we tried to get, do an interview with him, but our, we had, we had literal technical, technical difficulties. Our mics wouldn't work or something like that. We couldn't hear him. He couldn't hear no. He couldn't hear us. I don't it know was, what it was. It was Saul. It, it was, was all terrible. Saul. It was terrible. And then it unfortunately passed away this summer. But uh, but that just makes sure that you got to make sure to do what you set out to do because <laughs> you never know. So nostalgia and old games is probably a recipe for funding your Kickstarter if you 
if you need a if you if you need your Kickstarter to get funded, pick an old game. I guess he's telling you. <laughs> I don't know, but I'm not gonna say pick an old game because it's gonna fund. But I think if there's enough interest in the in the game, if it had a, a good playing a good player base in the 80s or 90s or whatever it was, look at Vampire. Vampire, they keep coming out with new editions of that. Or just, or I don't just, think they need to go to Kickstarter, do or they? Or just reprint. Uh, <laughs> I, don't think, I don't know if they kickstart anything new. I don't think so. But people still buy Vampire, which is like this game from the 90s that was super popular. I think it still is. Isn't it White Wolf that publishes uh, it? White Wolf, yeah, they're still around. Yeah. You're right, you're right. So old people buying uh, old games, new people buying old games, people who, uh, new people, uh, younger people <laughs> <laughs> buying uh, old games that are either getting reprinted or getting a new edition. There's plenty of reasons why people get these old uh, reprints and uh, newer editions of these older games, uh, quite a bit of it is nostalgia for people who are like, older people who played the are at my age and who used to play games when they were younger, or some people are just interested in the subject. But it all what happens is if you get a real nice mix of those people, you can definitely do well in a Kickstarter. This was Gaming's Perspectives with Saul and Jolene. You have a good day. Mm-hmm.